Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 14 of the Relentless Entrepreneur Podcast. I am Adam Kiefer, your marketing and advertising expert for the martial arts and fitness industry. And I'm excited for today's show. We have Jonathan Frank. Uh, if you guys are in the ATA, you know Jonathan. If you're not in the ATA, you probably haven't heard of him. But he is a guy that you want to listen to. He has three super successful schools in Maryland and uh, is killing it with his schools, has a really high average student value, um, and is, is just doing a lot of things right on the business side. And it was one of the favorite speakers from our last event. So I wanted to get him on here to sort of share what he's doing in his school. And also, we just talk a, a lot about the industry. Jonathan, Jonathan and I have both had a lot of like frank discussions, no pun intended with his last name, but uh, about different things in the industry and some trends that we want to see and some trends that we think should go away. So uh, really interesting conversation. A lot of you guys to, uh, a, a lot of things for you guys to really just take in and think about when it comes to running your business. And I'm going to be quiet now and let's kick off the interview. Welcome to the Relentless Entrepreneur Podcast. They've been trying me, but I'm resilient for real. Follow your path to success alongside icons. I like thought of profit, man. I hardly do percent. And industry leaders in martial arts and fitness. I'm a hard hitter. Hey. This is the Relentless Entrepreneur Podcast. Let's get it. And now, Adam Kiefer. All right, guys, what is up? I have my good friend, Mr. Jonathan Frank, joining us oh. today. Jonathan, what's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic. I, uh, I, I, I've been watching and listening, and it's really cool. It's really cool to be on here because uh, the last one, man, with Johnny, Johnny. I, got lot, I got a lot to live up to. That was phenomenal. Yeah, I couldn't believe how I th- so our average download was like 500 an episode before that episode. Yeah. And I remember checking like 3 days after that came out and I had 1200 downloads already. And I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> and that's the one that jo- I was telling you this before. I was like, "Johnny and I both like finished that podcast We're like, "Man, we just got ourselves in some trouble." <laughs> right, right, right. And then and then I so I let my team watch it. I mean, I was letting 14, 15-year-olds and I made them do homework and um, up to my general managers and, and, uh, they had to come up with all the stuff that they were, that was important. Yep. And, and then, and then one of them goes, uh, didn't, didn't Adam ask you to be on that? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, uh, you're in trouble. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. Oh no. My reputation precedes me. I think that's why you and I get along so well. It's like the same, same reason like Jody and I get along so well too, is because you we're very transparent, like with, what we see and we speak out on stuff that we don't like and yeah uh, and we I think we think differently than a lot of people in the industry which gives it gets us some slack sometimes but it's also I think refreshing to a lot of people as well and, and so real quick I, you know, yeah I, I glaze over this just for people that are listening and, and haven't heard of you that are outside the ATA world just tell everyone who you are your about your schools real yeah quick. yeah, yeah. back in um so you already hit it, Jonathan Frank. But um, so my wife and I own uh, three uh, schools in the ATA, uh, three local schools, and then super uh, one, one of those being <laughs> we're yeah. pretty good, yeah, for sure. Um, and this is all we do, right? So this is our full time, and uh, um, I have 20, 27 employees, uh, and um, you know we have five hundred students, twenty seven employees. And we, we, we just opened a 17,000 square foot training center a little over 18 months ago to um, kind of where I, I feel maybe uh, there's some opportunity in the industry. So I, I definitely think um, a little bit differently than, than a lot of my peer group. And, uh, you know, if I say something, let me preface this. If I say something, I, I never mean to be mean to anybody. I want, I, I'm always available for people to reach out and ask me questions and, um, I can definitely come off as like, you're not good enough. Um, I gave an interview the other day and they said, they asked me, how do you feel about other school owners? And I just said two words, catch up. Catch up. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, is, it's like, it's like YouTube, right? There's so much out there for you to learn from. And they sit in their little school and they think they're awesome. And I, I still haven't figured it all out. I'm learning every day. And, um, yeah, so we do well, I, you know, and, and uh, the best decision I ever made was bringing the wife on board. Um, you know, I have one of those really successful partnerships and you got to meet her in November. Yeah, your, your wife has like amazing superpowers when it comes to uh, running a, a martial arts school. 
Oh, for sure. I, I was lost. Like I'm really, I'm good at what I'm good at, but man, her focus and drive just puts me to shame uh, every day. So if I take credit today, it's, it's taking credit for all her, all her awesome work that she does. So, so what, one of the things that I love about your business model that you have is you charge what you're worth. And I think a lot of the, the schools out there charge less than they're worth yeah. because I don't even, I don't even know the thought process behind it. But like, uh, for example, when we took over this school, I think the average student value was $119 a month. You know, our, you know what our rent is. I was just like, yeah. how, how do, yeah. where's the math on that? Where does that make sense? So like now we're, we're charging like 179 to 199. And I know we're not quite at Jonathan Frank level yet, but, yeah, but I mean, we're still closing everyone. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I mean, our basic program is 185, 205 or whatever for two days a week. Um, you know, we, we can get into money a little bit, I guess, but, and it really comes down for me, it came down to, um, so, uh, you know, we all have those, those young guys coming up, right. Those 15, 16, 17 year old instructors that sure. are typical in the industry that are role models and we think they're badass, right. We're like, they're badass. <laughs> um, and so I had those two. And then in 2009 or 10, um, I, I was like, we're, we're badass and we're going to tournaments. And it was an absolute shit show. So my, my three guys got crushed. They're just absolutely crushed. Right. And, and that made me really reevaluate what we do. Right. Cause we, we teach in our schools every day and we think, we think we're awesome. We think our kids are good. And listen, I, you know, you're talking about Jody's kids. I, I've seen some like that. They're good. Yes. Right? Kids are good. Um, so we just reevaluated and said, okay, you know, I remember playing high school sports growing up and we were in the weight room at 5. AM. If you wanted to be a starter and you yep. didn't sign in at 5. AM, you weren't starting. Yeah. You weren't starting, you know, and, and, you know, the football had a $10 million facility playing high school, you know, football and things like that. And, um, so we, we, I wanted to bring some of that, right? So how can we, because at the end of the day, if your kids don't compete, how do you know if you're teaching really good martial arts? And listen, I don't care if your kids go and like the little guys, you know, they're nine and 10 and they go and they try, they're getting a high five just as much as my superstars are, because that's what it's about, right? Competition sure. isn't, it's not about winning. It's about going there and making yourself better, but that making yourself better piece is so huge and then how, you know, the, there's a thing in the ATA. So how do you win a world title? And the common refrain is 20 grand, um, right? Because that's private lessons after private lessons. Sure. After private lessons after, no, that makes sense. Right? So that, and I'm looking at parents going, there's no way they're going to spend 20 grand in my community. But can we get a kid a world title? And we have without spending that. Can we develop a program um, where they are spending a significant amount of money, but in a group environment where they're getting elite level training. Um, and that's really where I think we're missing um, because those are the kids that stay longer. They train harder. They stay through high school. They stay through college, um, yep. not the one and dones. Uh, and I would much rather have 500 black belts than 408 year old white belts. You know, what's weird about our industry. Like the, I, I, I'm going to call it the century group just because that's what I'm thinking off the top of my head. But people like brag, like I've only promoted two black belts in the last 30 years. And I was like, man, that means you suck as an instructor because <laughs> you, you can't help your students reach their goals. For um, sure. You know, I, I, yeah. I was like bragging like, huh, I got only $2 in my bank account. It's like, <laughs> listen, like, I, I, am I am I, I going to be the first to say that my first degrees aren't as good as first degrees in 92 or 93? Yeah, I'm just going to be honest about yeah. it. Probably not. But if I take if it takes seven years in the current America we live in to get to black belt, there's no way. No, not there's, at all. There's parents don't have buy in. They don't have commitment as much as you want to talk about getting buy in and building relationships and all that stuff is important. They, they, you're competing against YouTube and video games and well, that's all fun and game fun. And, you know, it's just not going to push them for me. I think first degree is when it opens up, especially yes. opens up in the HA, right? Like you get weapons and you, you can learn weapons and you can kind of, you love sparring or form or whatever it is. And you can make martial arts your own thing. It doesn't have to be what I love. Mm -hmm. It can be what they love and what keeps them. Um, I think like I equate it to like uh 
under black belt is like you're just going to gym class right you're, you're trying a little bit of everything you're seeing what you like it's you're having fun and then you get to black belt and you're like man i want to be on the football team or i want to be and like you you go all in on whatever your superpower is or what you think your superpower is yeah so, i think that's yeah, that makes sense yeah and we have that right so we have an athlete development sparring program and we have an athlete development performance program and, and they're two awesome. separate things one sparring and one is weapons and tricking and you know, I'm the old guy. Tricking is not my thing, but I see the, you know, I see the advantage of a kid doing tricking. I see that confidence yep. come out just because I'm not like, oh, it's silly. It's flipping. It's not, you know, yeah. um, the kids, the kids love it. And if they love it and we should be able to give it to them at a high level. Yes, I agree. And I think a lot of that stuff too has kept teenagers around training longer. Um, Cause even me, I probably, I probably would not have stuck with martial arts if I didn't get into the tricking part of it and the competition part of it when I was a teenager. Cause I went to high school and like, I remember freshman year, kids were like, they found out I did karate. They started doing like crane stance in the hallways and they'll be like, wow. And like all that stuff. I did my high school talent show, which I was doing like tricking and stuff next week. Like people were coming to the karate school to try out classes. <laughs> people right. were like, dude, that's right. awesome. And it was right. like, it like changed my perceptive on martial arts, even though I'd grown up with it my entire life. And it just, it made yeah. it more fun for me to do too. Cause high school, you're all about like, it, it, as much as no yeah. one wants to admit it, it's all about the pure influence, right? Like you, sure. you want to do something that is portrayed Friends as cool. cool. Yeah. And, and me doing like a, a traditional punch, nothing against traditional martial arts on stage or something like that. <laughs> That's not going right. to have everyone like all excited and, and thinking it's cool. No. Like, yeah. Like you put two high level sparring guys in a room for a demo and they play it easy with each other because they know how good each other are and they respect each other. And yep. Um, that's good, but it's not exciting to watch a lot of times, right? It's like two UFC fighters that are that are just really even, right? And yes. it turns into, right? And it's cool. I respect the game I'm seeing, um, but parents want to see, kids want to see uh, that next superhero thing. And, and you know, my the demo team is always the performance guys. It's not the sparring guys. Yes. Um, are you raised West Coast back in the day, man? I used to... Right. I love seeing them perform. That was like my that was the only reason I wanted to go to EFC convention when I was a kid. I was like, I just want to see Ernie Reyes perform. And then D Dave Kovar was the other reason. But but while we're on the subject of like um sort of training now compared to training back in the day, yeah. uh, I think that's something important to talk about because um Jody talked about tradition being peer pressure from dead people last episode, and oh, I had so many people quoting that one. and talking about that. <laughs> and it was hilarious. But him and I have talked about this a lot before and when you were training coming up, how many days a week, how many hours a day were you training? Oh, not enough, um, but okay. probably four or five, right? Yeah. And, and same thing. Like I, I used to probably train four or five days a week, a yeah. couple of days, a couple of those days I'd do like two to three hour days. Sundays, sure. I re remember we had our black belt training on Sundays. You'd go in for three hours, right? So Easy. we're expecting kids nowadays that are coming two to three times per week to be as good as we were training five days a week for two to three hours at a time. Right. And then wondering like, like just people sort of stuck in that, in that the past part of it, they're still setting the same expectations of them coming two to three times a week to get a black belt and like wondering why they're not as good as they yes. were. And I think number one is putting your ego to the side and realizing that, Hey, that was a different time. Also, if you're living in the gym and you're, you're training five, five days a week, yeah, you're going to be a good martial artist. You're you're going to be a badass, and it's going to happen way faster than what we're seeing now. Um, and I don't I don't know. I, I'm I'm guessing you're on the same page with that, but I, I just think it's interesting to to talk about because I think we still see it pop up in all those different Facebook groups about people like, uh, like bragging about how little black belts they have, how it takes like ten years to get a black belt at their school, yeah, and all that craziness. And it's like, man, it's like adapt with the times and adapt the expectations to the current training model. I like that. I like that word expectation. So, you know, just like a lot of other places, we have upgrade programs, but for us, the upgrade program is more about the training time, right? Sure. So it's about, you know, I have 30, almost 30. I think I have 26, 2020 vests, right? I know you had Ali on. Uh, yeah. Before. Ali's awesome. I love his product. I think I might, I might have, I think the most in any location, single location. Um, I love his stuff. But when you talk about expectations and training, yeah. You know, parents start and they go, oh, it's two days a week is good. And then they maybe go to a tournament and they go, Oh, there's some good kids there. Yeah. And then, then, then we, we go to the next program where we have a two, two hour Saturday training. 
right? That's really just sparring and introduction weapons and, and there's some leadership development in there as well. So like some public speaking, but um, you, you, then you go to that program and you go, okay, I'm good right here. I, I'm, I'm, I like this. This was a step up and there's an avenue for that parent. Yep. And then they go, okay, wait a second. I really like this. What else can we do? So then can we do ADP where you're training with my national team members you know, two, three nights a week for three hours and you're lifting weights and you're doing plyo and plyo boxes and um, where everything is evaluated. Or you're in my summer program where it's it's uh, 14 hours during the day, not including your night classes, and you have to wear a band 24-7. So we're monitoring your health. You have to report your nutrition. Um, you know, there's avenues. So the, the goal for us is to provide those avenues because if you can't meet parents' expectations, where do they go? They go and play high school sports. Yes. Right? You lose them to those high school sports instead of saying, no, be on our sparring team and compete for a national title. Um, and because martial arts is what you love, yeah, you're not going to be good. Martial arts is one of those things like we do, obviously, ATA is Taekwondo, but, you know, all those, it takes a lot of time. You know, I can teach a kid to play soccer in a few weeks. Yeah. I get all the fancy other stuff. It, it takes a lot longer to be really good. Martial arts takes quite a while just to have a good basic foundation. Um, but it's still, if you look at some of the, the longitudinal studies, it's one of the only sports that can, they can generate, you know, what they call ecstasis or flow, you know, what those Buddhist monks get from 20 years of stuff. Martial yeah. arts is the, one of the only ones, um, but you got to hit those expectations for parents, man. Yeah. I think the, the other part of it is like, you always see people complaining that they're losing students to other sports and and yeah. uh, keep losing people to soccer and stuff and i noticed that happening a, a good amount when we first came into the school here where kids were just leaving to they're like oh you want to try out some other activities and stuff and i was like man i said a couple of things aren't happening number one too much curriculum like this kid is so focused about having to remember crap and not actually becoming an athlete uh, yes. like i was like all right there the parents aren't seeing the improvement athletically that they would see if they put this kid in soccer or football or whatever. And I was like, guess what? If I was a parent, I'd probably be saying the same thing with my kid. Like if I didn't see that, that part of it. So I know I talked to you and we were doing our, our curriculum. I talked to Jody also and, yeah. and Roland Osborne. And one of the big things I took was like, all right, we're just going to teach the the foundational stuff, focus the most on that. And then like, if they yeah, get to black belt, yeah, hit shit, kick shit. When it, when it down, just, like, just kick shit. Like my my fifteen year old will look at me quietly and they go, "What? I, I don't get understand this drill." And I'll just whisper in their ear, just, "Hey, just wing it. Go kick some shit." <laughs> it, like it's it. You know, if you screw up one drill, right? Just it's okay. Yep. Well, we, we took a, a really cool principle from uh, the talk I had with you, and I was redoing the curriculum here, which is only one one drill per class can be done without hitting something or using a, some sort of training yeah. aid with it. And and that's made such a big difference. And anytime where I, like I'm watching kids leave the mat in class, if I don't see a lot of kids smiling right away, I know the instructor did too much stuff without, and we have a class plan, but sometimes like they just like to, to go their own way. Yeah. Which, which we talk about if that happens, I'm making a but, face. Um, making a face. but you know, I, I, I'm fortunate though. Cause uh, Scotty is my main guy here and, and he yeah. does great job following the class plan and the kids are always smiling when they leave, but yeah. it's because the class plan is structured. So they're right. hitting stuff. They're, they're do, doing some sort of drills with our jump boxes or whatever that right. we have set up throughout the class. And it's not just standing on a dot doing the oh. moves over and over again. Oh. Like no. old, I, that makes me think like the old school, like, uh, oh, like doing, form, doing form the whole class for 40 minutes. Yes. You're out of your mind. So listen, I, I think, I think the point you made, and I appreciate you reaching out and, um, uh, you know, yeah, you, <laughs> we do have that concept. Like you're only allowed to do one drill in the air. You know, I, I consult a lot and, and I work with schools. And the first thing I do is I go to a school and I watch class. Right. Um, that's always the part that people say, no, that's not the problem. Jonathan. It's always the problem. Yeah, that's not the problem. And, and, so, and listen, I've walked off a floor and I've been like, wow, that was, that was shitty. Like I've, yes. I've, I've taught a class. I'm like, Oh, that was terrible. Just terrible. And so we have a class, we have a lesson plan just like you guys do in a 45 yep. minute class. There's five drills, five drills are seven minutes long. Right. So the ATA does a really great job of certifying instructors about a bunch of different levels, right. From a, a level zero to a level three. And if you're a level three, you can modify my lesson plan. If you're not, you can't. I love and, that. 
That's it. So if they, because they, and everyone, know, everyone listening, listen to like the structure, like there's levels of, of instructor certification. Yeah. There's certain things that they can do when they get certain levels. So like number one, if you're listening to this and you don't have that part thought out yet, makes it way harder to, to create the, the systems and the, and getting the people that you need to be rockstar instructors. So you're not living in your school, like 24 hours oh, a day. Yeah. Like if no, you guys listen, don't yeah. have that, do it. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, no, I just no, want to point no, that out awesome. for everyone listening. I'm glad you pointed out because I do get stuck in the ATA world a little bit, you know, and I, and I have this assumption, right? Cause I don't work with a lot of people outside. Yep. Um, but you know, the ATA does a, a great job of, um, you know, you'll hear a lot of things about the ATA, but they do a great job of the instructor program and defining what each level is and what you have to do to get to the next level. And then love that. inside of the school. Right. So when I, I mean, when I have a level three caller, they've usually been teaching in three years or so, sometimes four for me. Um, and I, I know that I can just, I can go sit down. Right. And, and some of those kids are 18, 19, just like Scotty. And yeah. I, I can not be in the school and know that they're going to be awesome. Right. Because they follow a plan and that plan is reevaluated every week. Right. So the, the lesson plan is 10 weeks for us. And, and just like you talk, and it builds a foundation. So if the form they're learning week five has a front kick, well, guess what? We're doing week one and two and yep. three. We're doing front kick or, you know, spin hook kick or whatever the kicks are. And I, and I attribute that to um, simplifying the chief master sister here in the ATA. Uh, he He's phenomenal. You know, we I was trying to figure out how he's winning all these world titles. And <laughs> the ATA has nine color belt forms. And I called him and, you know, he spent time with me. And I remember, man, I was like a third degree. I was a nobody. And the one cool thing I see about ATA is that there's a lot of, they'll listen, right? They'll, if you yep. call people, it's not social media. They'll actually pick up the phone and talk <laughs> and have a great conversation with you. And he's like, why are you teaching all the color bell forms? He's like, I only teach four. So what he was doing was, you know, he was sending kids to tournaments that were doing a form for six months, right? Because three cycles of 10 weeks or whatever. Yep. And they were killing it because they've been doing it. And it, they can then use it, right? If you, you, you know, Johnny made that point about boxing and everything. And if you teach a kid a low block punch and then three weeks later, they're learning something different, they're going to suck at low block punch. Yep. So why not teach them a form that they can go and actually use? And if, and, and if they have to use it outside of school, maybe they actually can be effective with it. I don't know. That's just my two cents, man. I, all right, so, so I want to yeah. so I want to jump back to because I think this would be fun. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, so you've you've done class evaluations for other school owners. Yeah. I, I've gone into other schools and and watched classes and done evaluations. Uh, sure. Jody and I did a course when I was at Perella, where we actually made everyone record part of their class and send it to us. Mm-hmm. So we could critique Great. it, and uh, it it was awesome. I I still remember this one guy reached out to me. He's like, Adam. I watched two hours of me teaching class. I had my damn hand in my belt the entire two hours that I was teaching. <laughs> he's like, I did not realize like how bad my classes were until I rewatched it. So I want to, I want to go back and forth with you a little bit on what are some of the worst things that oh, you've God. seen oh, while no. watching a class? <laughs> oh no. Oh, it's so bad. Um, this would be great because I guarantee there's people listening to this that are doing some of these things and they just don't realize it. And, and to everyone listening to this, uh, number one, or I'm going to be two things that I want you to do. And then Jonathan and I are going to go back and forth. So number one, record yourself teaching and then sure. watch it. Okay. Yes. Watch it and, and be critical of yourself and look at not only what you're doing, but look at how the students are reacting to you. Look at how the parents are reacting to you. All the parents are looking at themselves in the whole class. You, you got to do something differently, right? You got to get them engaged. Second part is have your parents fill out class evaluations. And I know you do this too, Jonathan. Um, have them fill out class evaluations. We do it at least once a quarter. Um, and we do it anonymously so the parents can be brutally honest with our team on, on what we need to work on. But um, both of those will help you guys to eat some crow and and make good improvements to your classes. And they're so. scary the first time, right? Put a survey out and you go, tell me. Tell me yep. how I'm doing. Um, you know, we, we, we have a system. So we evaluate our students. So all our instructors get evaluated once a season. So we call them seasons or cycles, testing yep. cycles. We call them seasons, right? Because parents are used to sports, you know, spring season yes. and whatever. So we call them seasons. And once, once a cycle, they get evaluated and they get evaluated on a, um, a hundred point scale. So there's 20 categories. I don't have one in front of me, but uh, 20 categories and five points if they max it. So a hundred. So they're used to, kids are used to, you know, scoring 
70, 80, 90 yes. of the school. And we just kind of keep that similar. Um, and, you know, when we came out with it about 18, two, two years ago or so, uh, the first, the average score was like a 45, right? Damn. Oh, it was rough. <laughs> it was rough. But nobody gets yelled at, right? Yeah. Nobody gets, oh, you you suck. No. You coach them up. Yeah. You go, okay. So how do we go from a 45 to a 55, right? How do we go from a 55 to a 60? And, you know, I just had a kid, he's 14 the other day, and he had a 65, his highest score ever, right? And he's been teaching, he's been, you know, when I say teaching, he's been helping, helping. Yeah. Um, for like three or four months, right? He got a 65 and he's like, yes. Right? <laughs> I'm like, you're right. You know, you got a D. But uh, I'm I'm proud of you because you know you started out with a 30 or whatever and um yeah I've seen some bad stuff and listen we have cameras in all our schools so I get to watch class every Damn. week a lot of times I'm doing evals without people watching which is great right oh, I love it um you know body pop and I've taught and listen we we can be critical I've taught some bad classes oh I so have I pulling a uniform out of a bag with wrinkles and being like let's teach class <laughs> yeah. and I'm like oh never again. Um, I've taught some bad classes. Um, so, you know, all right. So I think we should talk about some, some okay. dumb stuff we've seen in classes and then we should share like our worst instructor moment too, just so that way everyone knows we're not just, we're not just out here talking shit about like Dude, I got the really rest of the industry. I, I don't even want to talk about it. It's embarrassing so bad, but you know, I watched like, you know, like the hold pads when you're, when you're holding the body shield or whatever, and you give it to this little kid and then you have this big kid, you know, and you're like, what are you thinking? You know? Um, those are the, those are the, the funny arms ones. hanging off. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had one when I, when I first came here, I wasn't even, there's no thought in my head yet about uh, taking this business over partnering the business or anything. And I watched one of the instructors that was here sit on an equipment bin that they had on the side <laughs> for 30 minutes of a 45 minute class on his phone, just yeah. scrolling. And then he yes. had this young, young girl leading class. And then afterwards, he had the, the balls to come up and say, so what'd you think of class? And I was like, you know what? I think I saw more of it than you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a rough one, right? Like when leaning up against the wall, yep. um, you know, I don't have any mirrors in any of our locations. I hate them, but we have wall pads like at the end of a basketball court or whatever. And um, you'll see every once in a while, you'll see a, an instructor of mine leaning up against the pad. Yep. Just chilling. And you're like, what are you doing? Um, you know, my guys have to lead. So, so if they do a warm up, they have to do it with them, right? You have to lead. Good. But yeah, so uh, those, oh, gosh, how many bad things? I, I have a feeling you might have seen some, some worse ones that I have. Cause so I, had, uh, I don't know. The, so the, the guy with the hand in his belt for two hours is great. Um, we also, that's, that's so I had, I had, um, in Chicago, I would train at another uh, school for for competition stuff because uh, yeah. at the time tricking was still newer, and my brother was a good bow staff competitor, but really didn't know much about tricking. Um, yeah. So I go to this other school to train because they had some really good like competitors there and, and trickers. Mm -hmm. And um, the the main instructor who's made a ton of world champions and knows what he's doing teaching wise, but every time I went there, he'd have a polo tucked into his his belt and his faded what used to be black pants, which were now like grayish white. Yeah. Holding a cup of coffee, leaning against the wall, one hand in his pants. And that, <laughs> that was how he taught a majority of the classes that I was there for. Uh, and I was just like, man, it's a good thing. He's got a lot of world champions. Cause I don't know if he would have uh, I see the polos a lot and I just go tuck your freaking polo in your pants, please. You got a belt on, like have some courtesy. Um, yeah. Appearance is tough. Uh, the whole like sit down and talk to the parents like while your twelve year old is teaching class. Yep, those always are a mess. Yeah, man. that's bad. You know, um, or they 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 teach class and they don't they they don't need a class plan. I don't need a plan. And you know, ten minutes into it, you're trying to figure out where where is this class going. So like, uh, bringing up McDonald's, not I know that's not good in our industry, right? Because McDonald's yeah, thing, not, but, but but guess what? You you go to McDonald's, you know what the hamburger is going to taste like. You go to Starbucks, you know what you're caramel yeah. whatever is going to taste like right because right. there's like what i used to, i worked at starbucks back in the day and there, there's literally cards that walked you through each step of making the drink to make sure it was yes. consistent and that's your class right. plan guys like right consistency right, right. and even if you're yeah. the only person at your school like you still need to have class plans for yourself so you have that consistency when you're teaching and that way everyone's getting a good experience every single time 
Yeah, drift. We call it here. We call it drift, right? Technique drift. And we even get it from one location to another. Sure. Um, and all my instructors train together every Saturday with me, 1030. Every single awesome. Saturday. Well, we, we, in COVID, we've split it up, right? Because we don't want to intermix, right? Because uh, okay. But in a month, we're coming back to that for, for years. And that that drift is so important. You'll see the punch is wrong. It's different. It's higher, lower. Yep. kick is wrong. Um, but being consistent, I think the ATA struggles with it a little bit from region to region. Um, sure. And and they still haven't embraced the technology portion of that they could, um, only because there's kind of too many hands in the pot. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. But I, I see, I've seen that happen a lot in, with franchises too, even not just like fitness franchises, like same thing where some, some locations are using class plans provided by corporate. Some are doing their own thing. Some people are adding in like kettlebell training when it's a kickboxing class. Yeah, like just yeah. like, I, I think, I think that's part of it. Um, but like, I'll, I'll say this too, because uh, a lot of you guys may listen to the podcast with my business partner, Travis, but one of the things that he always talks about is he didn't have class plans for his first three orange theory locations. Okay. And then he put class plans in all of his creative instructors quit because they felt like they were too restricted. And then yeah. within a year he had nine locations. Right. <laughs> and, and, yeah. We, we solved that a little bit by, uh, so my level three calls was black collar certified guys. They can have input on those class plans. So if they don't like a drill, they can actually submit that this is the drill is wrong. And they, yep. they, they have to submit why, and then, a, and, a, and a, they have to submit the solution as well. Good. And 99 times out of 100, we'll go, yeah, go ahead and do that. Because if you think it can work and you give me a reason, then you have the experience to do it. So, so for those creative guys, right, we allow them some of that input, right? They have to have the initiative and they have to, there's value, right? There's value in that experience. But right, you know, he went to nine, you know. My thing is, can I not walk into school and it can be profitable? And yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we have just, great people in there, Tallwell. I just thought of another great bad instructor oh. story. Oh no! Oh, this this oh. is from someone that everyone in the industry knows too. That uh, oh, I don't know if I should say their name, but uh, okay. so they they came to teach a seminar on teaching at, at my dad's school when I was younger. Oh boy! And uh, the guy's walking around uh, like everyone knows this guy in our industry too. Uh, he's not in the industry anymore. He's sort of faded off into the background and will come off and just say some stuff to piss the people off once in a while. But uh, <laughs> anyway, he, he was going around and he was having our students on the mat, uh, like be the, the mock students for the class. And he goes up to this kid, Nathan Brocker. I remember his name, who's on the mat. And uh, he's like, you guys always got to be ready. He's like, you always have to be ready to block. So no matter when I come up to you at mid sentence, he pulls back the blocker and smacks this kid right in the face, like so hard that it was like, and then everyone on the mat got dead silent. And you see this kid's eyes just swelling up with tears. Oh. And then oh, he just be, lets loose and starts bawling. You'd be in like, jail now, right? What? You'd, you'd be in jail. Right? Yes. But I was like, this was in the 90s. So it wasn't even like back like in the 70s or anything. I was, I, I remember I was like probably... God, 11 maybe. And I even saw that. I was like, yo, what the hell? <laughs> like, that was oh messed up. And the guy, he felt bad afterwards, but I was like. I was like but what? it still happens, right? It yes. still happens. Yes. You know, I, I, I just got a report. There was a, you know, something going on in Texas or something. And and the kid, this instructor, like had a transfer. And the kid, you know, the instructor's like, oh, you're transferring? Come on, put your gear on. And then didn't put his gear on, right? Like the instructor didn't put his gear on and then they sparred. Yep. For he 15 minutes. Yeah, and he hurt the kid. Like, of course. What, what do you have to prove? He's 15, man. You're supposed to, you're supposed to make him better, especially the first day. It's just ridiculous. The industry, none of those Id idiots haven't changed, right? I put yep. something on the Relentless group the other day. Oh yeah, it, I saw that. It is what it is, man. Like, I, I was gonna put a picture of my school and go. I knew free. there was gonna be a negative post on there. Like, as soon as you, you know, posted it, I was like, oh, here we go. And I'm, I know the people. I know the people where the post came from. I didn't put the original thing and i'm like yeah can we learn from it i'm not making fun of anybody i didn't put his name out there but learn from it so i almost messaged you saturday because uh we had our instructor boot camp and we were going over we have this thing called the instructor lookbook which oh, goes yeah. over like hey this is what your uniform should look like this is yeah. like uh, acceptable hairstyles and all this stuff hmm. and i was going to message you because i was like jonathan has so many examples of poor like poor. schools and and instructors wearing hats and stuff like looking like 
I don't know, they came out of Instinct yeah. video or something while they're teaching. I was yeah. going to message you for a bunch of bad examples so I could just show my team and be like, all right, like this is what you don't want to do. And like, I just bet. almost do like, like, we call it spot the knot. Like what is not okay about this picture that, yeah. that is going to end to losing students or, or lack of professionalism. And uh, I was like, man, I should message Jonathan. He's probably got a bunch of good you examples. should have, man. I would have totally sent it to you. I, I call it this, not that. Yep. You know, I, I still think the best way to learn is from our mistakes, right? It's Agreed. Just, it's just being humble and taking ownership and learning from our mistakes. Like, stop thinking you're the shit because you're not. Yes. You're just not. And I will never be. Am I good? Yes. But it, can I be better? Of course I can. And so I have so many examples because they're teenagers, right? We teach a lot of teenagers. And listen, I have 30 and 40-year-old adults that teach for me and all that stuff. But you got to get through to teenagers. And they see some serious bullshit online. Yeah. And if, if you're just constantly harping on them, tuck your belt in, blah, 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 blah. They're like, oh, come on, dad. I don't need to hear that. Come on. But if you show them <laughs> a picture of them yep. when they yep. walk in to teach and they go, oh, wow, I do look like crap. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, mind you, that slide goes up in front of, you know, my 20 instructors. Like it is what it is. Yep. But we're not. Nobody's like, oh, my God, you're a pile of crap. No. I'm going to sweat the small stuff, but we're going to make fun of the small stuff too. Yeah. That's a, and we do the same thing. Yeah. Like just get better, man. Come on. The industry, the industry hasn't changed from the time. I don't know. It's just amazing. It's just, I think, I think that's important though. Cause I think that sort of leads to that family atmosphere with your team. Like our, mm -hmm. our team, when we're, when everyone's on and, and students are coming in, everyone is like super professional and, and like, they're always good at communication between each other. But like when we're at staff training or we see someone like slacking or doing something stupid, we call each other out on it too. And and we'll make fun of each other a little bit <laughs> to call each oh, other out for on sure. it. They do it to me also, but that's sort of like how our relationship works. But at the same time, there's still that level of respect for yes, each other. Always, and, um, always. I, I think it's okay yeah. to have that lightheartedness too. And and I think our as martial artists, we take ourselves way too seriously a lot of the time. God, and uh, for man, sure. What a buzzkill. Uh, you know, I, I have this kid, right? He's, he's, uh, he's 18. He's going to the Army. He's phenomenal. Just phenomenal. On the national team, he's 6'5", you know, 225, right? He gets up there for his certification test, and he, he does this form. For us, it's red belt, whatever. And he's taught it for five years, right? And this kid is, I mean, he just, he's phenomenal. And he screws that form up so bad. Because he's just freaked out, right? And mind you, when he teaches, he teaches from his heart. He gives everything. And but for the next six months, right? It's Chung Jung Tu, right? That's the name of the form in the ATA. For the next six months, when as soon as the parents go away, they're like, "Hey, Alex, Chung Jung Tu, buddy." Right? For the next six months, they were calling him Chung Jung Tu, uh, you know, but not in front of the parents, not in a professional yeah, yeah. thing. And you have to. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I know. Come on, I know." Right. But he takes it and goes, you're right. I could have done better, you know, and you, you got to have fun inside of that. Arena. When, when did he quit as an instructor? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, uh, this week is his last week. I'm super bummed, man. He's been with me since he was 12 uh, and he um, he's going to join the army. Okay. And, nice. Uh, I love it. I, I love it for him. I'm going to totally miss him. Uh, the kid has like done everything right. His whole life for me. Um, but, uh, he wants to, his family has a huge service, right? So, uh, length of service and tradition, and, and I'm going to wish him the best of luck and cry a little bit. And can, can I, can I just say something too? Cause this is, this is a good thing to talk about as well. Um, it is okay. If your instructors and staff members go pursue their dreams and it's not martial arts and you and in those cases, you should be totally supportive of them as well. Cause that, that's another yeah. thing I see a lot in, in our industry is people are like offended. If you don't want to be a martial arts instructor or don't want to open up your own school, or if you don't want to stay loyal to me for your entire life, cause I stayed loyal to my instructor. Like right. one, one of the things that we, I always talk about at our one-on-ones with our team is we always talk about like where you see yourself in a year and stuff. And I always preframe, I say, Hey, if you're here with us still and you're growing in your role and you have your own school or, or you're doing whatever, right. I'm going to be super proud of you. But yeah. also if you take everything that you learned here and you apply it to whatever you want to do, whatever your dreams are, mm -hmm. and you crush it there, I'm rooting for you over there as well. Like my, my biggest thing is I want you to be happy and I want to set you up for whatever you want to do, whatever your hopes and dreams are down the road. 
and then actually be happy for them when they do it. Cause I could tell when you were talking yes. about him that you were like, yeah. yeah, it's, it sucks that he's leaving, but you were like still happy for him. Oh, dude, I'm so, I'm so, this, I mean, he's been, it's like, he's been his dream, right? It's always since he was 14, he's been talking about being a soldier. His father served, his grandfather served, his great grandfather. Right. Um, and no, I will never take that away. I think there's two parts to that answer. If you do it right, if you do it right, and you mm-hmm. communicate and you're respectful and you want to go on your own, I'm in a hundred percent. There's a lot more risk on your own. Yeah. Right. Right. But here's the second part. And, and the ATA has a problem with this and I'll put myself out there. The eighth degrees and ninth degrees, eighth degrees, seventh degrees, whatever they think some of the traditionalists, I don't know how I'm going to say this without putting my, uh, I think they're owed screw something. It, screw it. They think you owe them something. Yeah. You don't owe me shit. So, but the, the flip side is I've seen master instructors, so BHA is six degree, right? Master instructors working for somebody and then working at Buffalo Wild Wings. But that's not just an ATA thing. That, that's that is That is all over our industry. Ah, that's it, so bad. It's like rank is more important than, than anything no. else. And I, I owe you many, a good paycheck. How many instructors have been teaching for free for their instructors Right. And it's it, you're all you're supposed to because it's loyalty, right? No, that's right. that's bull crap, a hundred percent. Like we pay our, I know you're in the same line with this. We pay our people for staff training. We pay them for when they take their class because yeah. we require one class a week, so we pay them for that one class. Right. Most of them take more, but we at least pay them for that one class, the required class that they need to take each week. And then right. if we're doing anything work related and they're they're part of it, they're getting paid for it. Paid. Right. And everyone that's listening to this, no matter what size martial arts school you yeah. have you are running a business yes and if you have people working for you yes you should be paying those people yes for their time yeah. as simple as that crazy and you know we they, my guys come out of high school and we'll pay them 40 grand you know i'll put that number out there right straight out of high school right Forty thousand. that's not a bad gig with no no you know, no like i would have loved that right out of high school right right you know and um, we profit share, right? We profit share with our GMs. Matter of fact, yep, it's same. March 1st. It's March 1st. I dated your podcast, but um, uh, it, uh, one of my GMs just made $900 for the month as a profit share. That's like, awesome. About, like cash, right? Like it's just, that's- I, just, I pay Scotty and Trident layers, so- <laughs> right yeah that was a good one man yeah. uh, she was gonna she was gonna message you the other day and go hey the phone calls keep coming you have to uh, yeah so a little inside joke for everyone listening that so yeah. uh jonathan's wife kavitha is probably like one of our biggest like fans of relentless she's always sending people our way and talking to talking to people about us so she's like, you should hire me. And I, and I was like, I'll, I'll start paying you in Trident Layers. And she said, deal. And then the next day I sent her a box of Trident right. Layers. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> That's smart stuff though, right? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that was, she was like, oh, and then you get a couple more people coming her way and she has no over some packs of gum. Yeah. <laughs> every person, like every person in your school gives you a referral or five-star review. Do you send them a cup of coffee? I do. Yeah, we, we do a thank you card and a $5 Starbucks gift card. Yeah, I send them a few thanks, right? I have that program called Thanks. Um, oh yeah, Thank, the Thanks app is awesome as well. Yeah, and I just bang a cup of coffee. It was Ron Sell that got me onto that app. Ron Sell's, yeah, man, he's a genuine guy. I love. He is. Um, he's awesome. He was fun to meet for the first time. Um, yeah, but you got to take care of your people, and yeah, that was uh, that was fun. Yeah, but so going back to the pay too, because uh, I, I know I veered us off track there for a second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we we do profit sharing for our manager as well. Sure. So on the fifteenth of each month, he gets his profit sharing bonus on his yeah. check from the the previous month. And uh, yeah. So the the way we set it up, and because I know you and I will probably get questions about this afterwards from people listening. Yeah. So okay. We, we have like a uh, a specific number gross that we have to hit for profit yes. sharing to kick in. I call that the activator. But yeah. Yep. So yep. once we hit that number, then the profit sharing percentage kicks in, Correct. and then we structure our percentage of profit sharing based on what we're hitting gross. So like if we hit a certain level above our our activator number, then mm-hmm. the profit sharing number increases as well. Percentage. So essentially, yeah. So yeah. essentially as we're making more, my manager is making more as well. Yes. Which helps to get them to focus on the small things. Because yes. Because they start to see all the little things that affect that number and getting to that number. 
Yeah. My manager was like, he made his activator. Right. And, and he goes from a, um, a 2% up to a 10%, like they'll share yep. 10%. Um, and he was at 8% on, uh, on Sunday and he's hitting the app. He's throwing push notifications out. It's yes. his day off. And he's like, and he made another 1800 bucks sitting on his couch because he was dialed in to what, you know, he needed to do to get to that number. Um, and that, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't required, but he was sitting on his couch and I, my phone was blown up emails yes. and push notifications. And I'm like, what is he doing? It works though. Cause they, they, they need to feel like they have some sort of skin in the game. And I, oh, I don't always think yeah. equity is the right way to go, but profit sharing, I think is a great alternative to that. Um, and then the, the other thing that we do is we also do a graduation bonus for our team. So mm. I know you don't do testing fees. We, we do testing fees, but we yeah. do $5 for every single person that, that graduates. We talk about that. We should talk. Yeah, about no, 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 we have, <laughs> but, uh, we put, the, we put that into a pot and then yeah. the, all the, the full-timer will get 50% of the pot. And then the, the part-timer split the other 50%. Yeah. So they're still getting a few hundred dollars each on, on their bonus, but the, and I'll also say this too, while we're talking about it, like pay your people competitively if you want them to stay. Yes. So like I always want, I always think of it this way because I was a martial arts instructor as a teenager. I always loved, because uh, my dad followed a, a good payment model uh, that I think he got from Bill Clark uh, back in the day. And mm. I was making like $3,600 a month while I was in high school. Wow. And it was just, it was all, it was all incentive is profit sharing and stuff, but we we're upgrading people like crazy, getting new students like crazy. And I was so happy that I could go and like buy stuff and go out to places. And all my friends were like, man, I wish I had money or they're asking their parents for money. And I was like, sort of laughing at them, but I was like, I I had pride in that. Right. And I want my employees to have that same pride where their, their friends are like, man, how are you, how are you getting that car? How are you doing this? Like we just had a, our, one of our part-timers actually just bought a new Jeep and paid cash for it. And, uh, he like came in with his new Jeep, super excited to show me the car, walked up, he shaked my hand. He's like, I wouldn't have been able to get this without you. And yeah. I, that was that was an awesome moment as as an entrepreneur to be able to sort of see that pride in your team member for coming in and like being able to buy something that they didn't think they'd be able to buy outright, which was cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's, you know, like uh, something simple for guys that maybe their budget is really tight. Yep. Is just doing a, 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 a private lessons um, and letting your letting your kids that do the letting your staff that teaches those private lessons take home a significant portion. Yes, right. Maybe not all of it, but eighty percent or seventy five percent of the private lesson money goes into their pocket. Um, th- that's the, that's the easiest way to start. That yeah. I've like that when I talk to people, I just go, "Hey, let your guy teach private lessons." I mean, I have fifteen year olds. I'm looking over at my sheet over here. They're getting paid forty dollars an hour to teach a lesson. Yeah, that's awesome. And, um, and that's take home, right? So like, you know, well, after that, well, I don't know what his after taxes, but you know, like pay your guys. Yes. I don't, I don't know of a 15 year old making 40 bucks an hour. No. You know, you could also do like, do you do like private lesson days where you'll just like do a private lesson marathon for your team? Like we've done that before too. Like, especially if, um, like if one of our team members comes up and he's like, Hey, I really want to save up to get this or blah, blah, blah. And they, they're telling me their goals during their one-on-one. Like that's what we'll say. I be like, Hey, why don't we, why don't we do a private le- lesson marathon yep. you know, Saturday afternoon? I'll stay yep. at the school. If you just want to book private lessons back to back half hour, 15 minute time slots, whatever. And then yes. you, you keep a majority of that and boom. Yes. You know, and it went, went away a little bit, right? Cause there's no tournaments right now or ATA is still got coming back into tournaments, but I would look out, on a Saturday, you know, the last class ends at, um, two 15. Um, and they have a professional development class. Some of my instructors get a professional development class. So at three 15, I would look out and there'd be 10 of my instructors teaching lessons, teaching private lessons. And they're just back to back to back yeah. to back to back because of those kids that want to do well. The parents want a little bit extra help, or maybe they're competing at a high level. And we know that the best way to learn is one-on-one always. Um, schedule and, before and testing is, is really good too. Schedules oh, yeah. days so, before testing. For sure. Yeah. We we most of my instructors uh will put about 30 lessons up a season. That's um, awesome. That's way more than we do. Yeah. <laughs> so really they're both well, competitive, right? So if you're competitive and um we'll have parents that will buy 10, like off the bat. Um, so uh, you know, we'll offer those three or four hundred lessons and they're gone within a couple of weeks of them being out. Parents have reserved their spot for the whole season. 
Uh, and it's a great, it doesn't cost me anything. No. Right? Well, the electricity's on, a little bit of insurance money, right? But, um, and it's a great way for them to feel uh, that they get some money. It's a great start, especially for those young school owners that the budget is significantly tighter. Yeah, I think that's an easy, an easy fix. Really good suggestion. Um, all right, I, I ask this question every first time around my podcast. Oh. Um, what is the uh, one thing, if you could snap your fingers like Thanos, that you would change immediately about the martial arts industry? To make yeah. it better. Oh God. Uh, um, <laughs> how about this? Uh, young school owners have value. Uh, yes. So first degree, second degrees, third degrees, regardless of their rank, they have value and you can learn from them. And and they're doing things that we can't even imagine. And some of the best opinions, man, as I get from those first degrees or second degrees, like I wish. I wish we wouldn't put so much emphasis on rank. Right? I agree. I want a good operator. I don't care if you're an A3. If you got 40 students, I I have nothing. I don't want to here listen to you. You know, I just, you know, your gross is like 5,000 a month and you're calling me and you're telling me how to what? No. You know, if I buy one of the mat and you want to show me how to do okay differently, I'm but let's listen to some of these young guys, some of these young operators, man. I wish, I wish considering how we consider operators, we consider rank, right? Yep. I, I just think that that's such a significant portion. We don't, I know the ATA, we're not there yet. We don't leverage good operators as much as, yeah, they, they don't get, they don't, their opinion isn't consulted as much as it should be. There, there's some new up and comers that I see that are going to be like powerhouses yeah. pretty soon yeah. because they're just thinking differently and doing things differently with their school than what's typical in the martial arts industry. And I think a lot of them also are following people and entrepreneurs outside the industry Ooh, big, seeing what, seeing what they're doing and then replicating it for our industry. And I'm telling you half of the things that I, that we do in our martial arts school that makes it unique or, or makes it work so efficiently was brought in from the ho- the hospitality industry, hotels or the fitness industry. Like, um, I don't even remember if I was talking on the podcast this one about this, but I, I, in general, like when I when we put together our whole like first lesson experience when someone comes in, that was yes. all from the, the, the hotel industry. Stole that. Yeah, it was nothing from the martial arts industry because I was like, man, we're we're handing people uniforms and bags. Like, yeah. What, what other place gives you something of value in a plastic bag? Plastic bag. When you walk in, like even if you buy liquor, they at least give you a paper bag, right? Like we're the only right. ones handing stuff out in plastic bags all the time because we're too lazy to take it out and make it presented better for people coming in. And we just started seeing all these things. And then I go to like, or, or like, um, was that STK in, in Vegas, like the, the steak restaurant? Okay. Um, and they brought out the bottled water, the Fiji, and it was in this like, uh, silver yeah. thing that made the Fiji glow. And I was uh-huh. like, man, just like the presentation makes makes this look like a twenty dollar bottle of water, right? Even though I know they paid four dollars for it, and you paid twenty. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was all in the presentation of how they do it and, and creating that perceived value. And I was like, man, that's yes. something that we don't focus on enough in our industry because we're just focused no. on what's happening on the mat and not not everything else that should be focused on in a business. Um, so I encourage you guys, I know all of you guys love this podcast, keep listening, be, be this your industry source, but um, go start looking at things outside the industry and how they're being yeah. done and pay attention. Take your team to like a five-star restaurant so they can see the service, right? And see how things are presented and how the details are paid attention to and all those things. Um, because man, they, they can grab so much more things, I think from outside the industry that can make it a positive impact on them than they can, I think, currently from inside the industry, even though there are some really good people in here. Oh, for sure. I, I you know, I, I wrote some notes down and I'm like, you know, like for me, like Gino Oriyama, the coach of UConn and yep. um, Anson Dorrance, who, who runs the UNC women's soccer team with like 17 or 20. I'm, I'm going to talk out of my butt, but he's won like 20 national titles. I learn a lot more about coaching and things from them. Yes. Just listening. Nick not in the, my I, guy. Yeah, I don't. Who is? Nick Saban. Nick his Saban. Co- yeah, right. his coaching yeah. style is awesome. Yeah, I love Oriyama and how his, how his assistant coaches, they all work together. And they just sweat the details, man, about body language and posture and attitude. And um, there's so much you can learn not in the industry, right? Yep. Uh, get out there and learn. But then come back and go, okay, who are the best operators and what can we learn? What can we learn from them? Agreed. Um, that's, that's the way to do it. 
Jonathan, I feel like we could talk for like another four hours if we kept going. I know, I know. <laughs> and I and I didn't say anything too bad. Uh, no, you know, you're good. You know, Your wife like giving you a thumbs up of approval. Listen, man, I, I love the martial arts industry. Same I know here. you do too. Um, when we first talked, I, I mean, I, I've known about you for a while, and and you know, I I think maybe I was the first one that was like, "Come on, when are you when are you doing this ads thing? When are you doing Relentless?" Yeah, you're one. Of, there, there's probably about I would say ten to fifteen people consistently messaging me, but you are yeah. the most consistent. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm in. I'm like, I know where the we know. I, you were like, before we yeah. launched, you're like, can you just sign me up now? I was like, dude, just wait like, <laughs> wait like another month, I promise. You have a way, you had a way of, of I remember your first, one of your first whiteboard videos, you had a way of explaining it um, that was really good for the average owner to understand uh, the, the process and the ads and things sure. like that. But what I found, I've really been appreciative of everything you're doing for the industry because, um, you know, we, we use that word authentic too much, but. Uh, I didn't know what to expect coming down there in November and uh, just a phenomenal group there. Um, yeah. We had a great group of speakers such, and, such and, respect. and everyone there was awesome. Like there to learn. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had lunch with Ron Sell or whatever, and he was phenomenal just to talk to for, for a while. And I mean, that guy invited me to his wedding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ron's my guy. Ron's awesome. I know. I wish I could have gone, uh, but um, you know, just what, it's been fun. It's been fun to see the industry adjustment. Um, yep. And I think, I think it's going to be great going forward too. Same. Yeah. We got some big things in, in store and uh, well, we got to have you speak at the next relentless summit, of course. Uh -oh. So we'll I, you know, I'm, I'm honored, man. I'm always honored. That's just huge for me. And um, like, I, I love, I love meeting martial arts school owners and sometimes I'm abrasive because I, I want more for them. I want yeah. more. I want them to pay off their mortgage or, you know, not, put their kid in school or yes. call, right? Like we can have a great career. And sometimes my anger and frustration comes out because I'm like, just charge what you're worth. And, and so you can pay for your family and take yes. care of them. And that, that's what it's about too. Cause I think, uh, like, man, we keep going off on tangents without, uh, I, know, last tangent, right. I promise. Yes, sir. But I think it's, um, for the, the way that you and I think about it is about like providing a legacy for our family and, and, yes. For me also, and I'm sure you're along the same lines, like I want my employees to have no worries about their career, no worries about how they're going to provide for their families as well. And I know it's usually the, the people that aren't successful, and I hate to say this, that are like, oh, you guys are all about the money or whatever. Mm -mm, no, no money's, money's a part of it for me because I know that it'll provide a, a safety net for my family and yes. will set my kids up for success and better opportunities than I had, right? Sure. And the, the same thing is true for my team. Like I want all of them to be able to to live where they want and not have to worry about like, Oh, we can only live in this section of the town because we only have this much money. And I want them to be able to, to do the things that they want to do in life because we're giving them the opportunities to do it. But in order to do that, we need to charge what we're worth and we need to make yes. money and be a profitable business. And yes. at the end of the day, that's, that's the drive behind it. So, so I, I agree. Money's not a four letter word. So I always said, yeah. um, uh, the uh, has this guy, senior master Newberry. Um, uh, uh, I asked him a question one day cause he's, uh, he's, he's very faith-based. Um, yep. and, and he runs a business and, and I always ask questions like that. Like, Hey, and we were talking about money and, um, and he said, uh, money gets you really two things. It gets you, it's, it's influence and freedom. And it's yes. the freedom to do what you want, take care of your family. Um, and, and if I have some influence because I've done well, it's only because of one, the people that I have working for me that are awesome. Yes. And then, like my wife. And then the second part is, is I agree, Kavitha. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and then the second part is, is I want to have the influence to get everybody else to that level. Yes. That's what I want. I just want the industry to crawl out of the dark ages and, and so that we can have fun together. Um, that's where we need to be. Well, having people like you on the podcast and speaking at, at our events, I think is a, a good step in that right direction. And uh, I, I think there's a, a good movement of people that are stepping yeah. up now into the spotlight to start pushing the industry forward and also pushing it together at the same time instead mm. of being so divisive of, of how it's been in the past, right? And right. So I'm, I'm really excited for where our industry is going and, and it's going to take some, uh, some changes and, and some adaptations that maybe some people are resistant to, but I, I think it's, we got a good crop of people getting ready to push it where it needs to go. 
Yeah, I'm smiling. I'm smiling. Listen to you. It's fun to watch. Um, sometimes I want to take a step back, but I also like being out there pushing too. And yes. um, it's cool. It's cool. I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for your for your Thrive stuff in ATA, but I'm also just excited that uh, um, the narrative is changing and, and we can give each other the benefit of the doubt. Yes. Like that's what we need to do. Give each other the benefit of the doubt, change the narrative a little bit. And um, we're all better at the end of the day. Yes. Well, Jonathan, man, I appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast. I hope everyone got some good information from it and maybe just change your the, your way of thinking a little bit about what it means to, to run a martial arts school and, and do it in a, a professional way that allows you to live the life that you want to live. Jonathan, thanks sure. so much, man. Uh, thanks for having me. I can't yeah. wait, wait to get together again. And uh, if anybody has any questions or any anything they want to work on or, or maybe I, I can learn something, feel free to find me on Facebook and KJ Frank on Facebook is where to message yeah. him. Um, so, yeah, one. Yep. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Thanks, sir. All right. I'll see ya. Hey guys. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of the relentless entrepreneur podcast. Another great one is in the books and I'm excited because we have so many good people coming up on the show. Um, our next one is Mr. Mike Moe. If you haven't heard of Mike, but maybe you've seen the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He did an amazing job in that movie as Bruce Lee. Uh, he is a, a Hollywood guy that's been in a bunch of things, uh, was in the Marvel and Humans show as well. Uh, so we're going to be talking to him and picking his brain about how he got into the uh, the Hollywood industry with his martial arts talent. And also, man, he's running a super successful school at the same time. So really excited for our conversation. So check it out coming up in a few days on iTunes and Stitcher and all the places you can listen to the podcast. We'll see you guys in the next episode.